There's absolutely no talking while court's in session. Do not approach Mr. Jason Van Dyke whatsoever for any reason. At this time, uh, will you bring out the jury, Jess? All rise for the jury. This morning in the trial of Officer Jason Van Dyke, jurors took their seats in Judge Vincent Gaughan's courtroom. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, you've got to have a lot more energy than that. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Outstanding, outstanding. Gone talked them through the basic outlines of the trial, what they could expect, and the different kinds of evidence they'd hear, and then attorneys gave their opening statements. Because not a single shot was necessary or justified. Jason Van Dyke is not a murderer. Jason Van Dyke had no intent to go out and kill Laquan McDonald. From WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune, this is 16 Shots, the police shooting of Laquan McDonald. I'm Jen White. We're going to cover the opening statements in a minute, but before opening statements began this morning, prosecutors dismissed four of the first-degree murder counts against Jason Van Dyke. Two of those counts remain, along with 16 counts of aggravated battery and one count of official misconduct. To get an idea of why prosecutors did that, we talked to former Cook County State's attorney Dick Devine. He's now of counsel at the law firm Cozen O'Connor. So, Dick, how common is it for prosecutors to drop certain charges? Well, it is not something that is done every day, but it's not rare either. Prosecutors look at their case, and before it finally goes to trial, they try and make it as clean and straightforward as they can. So this is really not something that uh, should raise too many eyebrows. And in this case, why do you think prosecutors dropped those four counts of first-degree murder? Well, it's important to note they still have two murder counts left, so dropping four of the six and leaving two, to my mind, is a way to make the case simpler for a jury to understand once it is finally handed over to them after the trial. And does that in any way reduce the amount of prison time Van Dyke could be facing if he's found guilty? No, uh, not really, because essentially the murder count is the critical thing that it still exists. And the jury obviously has the option to decide guilty or not guilty on the murder. There could be charges to the jury based on lesser included, like second degree murder or involuntary manslaughter. And then you have your aggravated battery count. So they all still exist there. And the dropping of four of the six counts of murder, to my mind, doesn't, in, as a practical matter, reduce the exposure that the defendant has. Now we'll turn to the opening statements. WBEZ's Chip Mitchell was in the courtroom this morning. Chip, prosecutors gave their opening statement first. What did they say? Yeah, it was Joseph McMahon, the special prosecutor. He projected a satellite map of where everything happened. It's on big monitors facing the jury. And he screened a video that very few people had seen before today. It showed McDonald walking almost nonchalantly down the sidewalk as the first two responding officers follow him. One of them is in the police SUV, the other's on foot about 10 to 15 feet behind. He's shining his flashlight on McDonald. And this procession, it moves slowly down the sidewalk for maybe 30 seconds until they walk out of view. So the point was that the first officers on the scene followed McDonald and did not see him as much of a big threat. 
So in addition to that video, the prosecutor also showed the infamous dash cam video where McDonald is shot and killed. What did he highlight and how did he show it? Yeah, McMahon talked about how McDonald led the officers out onto a busier road. And by this point, several other police SUVs arrived. Well, Laquan McDonald was surrounded by five squad cars, 10 fully armed and protected Chicago police officers, including himself. Another taser unit from the Chicago Police Department, literally moments away. A chain link fence, six to seven feet tall, protecting this vacant lot and not a single pedestrian anywhere in sight. During the six seconds that Jason Van Dyke was outside of his squad, and he saw Laquan walking with the knife toward that vacant lot on Pulaski, this defendant, he had absolutely no idea about the autopsy findings that wouldn't come out for weeks and months later that showed there was PCP in the system, in the body of Laquan McDonald. He didn't know a single fact about Laquan McDonald's tragic and troubled childhood. What he did know, what he did see, was a black boy walking down the street on Pulaski towards a chain link fence and having the audacity to ignore the police. You're going to get to see exactly how Laquan McDonald was acting that night and what he was doing, what he was carrying, and most importantly, how the defendant gave that six seconds of consideration before he started to shoot Laquan McDonald. Laquan McDonald is not on trial here. His background couldn't possibly have any bearing on the defendant's state of mind when the defendant shot Laquan 16 times. So yeah, McMahon, the special prosecutor, he played the dash cam video showing Van Dyke getting out of his car and six seconds later opening fire on McDonald. And at another point, McMahon does a one-by-one one count of all 16 three, shots. One, two, four, three, four, five. five, six, seven, eight. He's only halfway done. Nine, 10, 11. All the way up to 16. 12, Makes a big point 13, that Van Dyke 14, started reloading, 15, and McMahon claimed that 16, he was going to keep firing if not for his partner telling him to hold off. And Jen, McMahon, he wraps it up with a simple point. He says it was not necessary for Van Dyke to shoot a single time, let alone 16 times. So that was the prosecution's opening statement. What about the defense? Walk us through their opening statement. Well, Van Dyke's lead attorney is Dan Herbert. He talked a lot more than McMahon about how the whole incident started. It was a 911 call from a guy and his wife who were in a truck yard and they had vehicles there. He talked a lot more about the knife McDonald was carrying and about this caller's account that McDonald right there swung the knife at him. And Herbert talked about how later McDonald stabbed at the windshield of a police SUV and punctured one of its tires. And Herbert actually had the knife in his hand and lunged with it a couple times. He was lunging with the knife? Yeah, yeah. He had the, he had the knife, and, and, and at least twice, he lunged with the knife, and he made it sound like, Hur! 
and so that was that was something to see in the in the middle of a, a courtroom. And Herbert also projected an Illinois statute onto the monitors in the courtroom, and he read parts of it. It's a law that authorizes police officers to use deadly force under certain circumstances, like with a fleeing armed felon. One clever thing Herbert tried to do, and the prosecutors objected to it, that law talks about how deadly force can be used when necessary. So, for example, when necessary to stop an armed felon who's about to kill someone, those words, when necessary, are all over the statute, but most of the short passages Herbert chose to highlight for the jury did not include those words. So, Jen, what Herbert was trying to convey is that Van Dyke had the authority and even the responsibility to shoot McDonald. So all of that kind of goes to why Van Dyke first shot, but then Herbert also spent some time explaining why Van Dyke shot 16 times. Tell us about that. Yeah, there's another part Uh, Herbert said he'd bring in during the trial. He said it's about physiological changes that take place when officers shoot people. He said he'll be putting a police psychologist who comes from Florida on the stand to testify about it. There are two shots. The government might want you to think that it's as they did their slow countdown. That's how he was shooting. That's not what happened. It was pop, 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 pop. Fired his 14 shots. And then there's a pause. He's reassessing. And at this point, you got to realize, and this is what the evidence is going to show, this is an individual not watching it on a movie screen. This is an individual that just had to shoot somebody 14 times. He is, his body is experiencing everything that a police officer would experience. Tunnel vision, auditory exclusion, he can't hear what's going on as he's focused on the threat. And the threat in this case was Laquan McDonald. Jason Van Dyke had no idea if he even hit Laquan McDonald. You can't see bullets entering somebody. Sure, he fell to the ground. Sure, he can assume that uh, it possibly was because of his gunshots. But he didn't know if they were lethal gunshots. He didn't know if Laquan McDonald had the ability to get back up and attack him. Juan McDonald holds on to this knife the whole time when he's on the ground, despite being shot 14 times. He starts making movements, which you'll see on the video. Okay, Chip, so two very different views of the incident from prosecutors and the defense. No surprise there, but any sense of how the opening statements went over with the 12 jurors? Well, one interesting thing, Jen, when the prosecutors played the dash cam video of McDonald getting shot, the jurors did not seem particularly affected by it, not at least from watching their face and body language. What that told me is that they've seen the video before, maybe many times. McMahon, he's the prosecutor, his story was really simple. He speaks in a very measured tone, very softly most of the time. Um, he looks at the jurors, he looks at them in the eye, um, but he doesn't raise his voice and he doesn't. he's not swinging around his arms. He's calmly pacing back and forth. Now, Herbert, he's much more emphatic. There's a lot of action all the time. You know, he swung that knife. He lunged with that knife a couple times. And this, this went from start to finish. It was, like he was, he, it was like he was hitting the punchline over and over. And he had a much more complicated story, too. It went from that dense Illinois statute to psychology about altered perception when an officer uses deadly force. So, Jen, we'll we'll see which attorney and which story lands with the jury. Okay, Chip, thanks. My pleasure.
After opening statements, the trial today moved immediately into the prosecution's witnesses. WBEZ's Patrick Smith is also at the courthouse today. Patrick, what stands out about today's witnesses? Well, one thing that stood out is that a lot of them were something called foundational witnesses. These are witnesses that are necessary to introduce evidence, evidence like the video of Laquan McDonald shooting or the radio traffic from that night. It also means that these are witnesses who were not on the stand for very long and their, their testimony was really dry. Basically, they're just there to say, yep, that's the video. I'm the one who cataloged it, that sort of thing. Anything else stand out about the witnesses? There were lots of Chicago police officers or former Chicago police officers who testified. Um, one of the most interesting witnesses for the first part of the day was Chicago police officer Joseph McElligot. Uh, McElligot was one of the two officers who responded to the initial call of Laquan McDonald breaking into trucks. When they located Laquan, um, it was McElligot who got out of the squad car, followed behind him on foot while his partner drove their car next to them. You know, one thing that prosecutors were really trying to hammer on, they asked about, was the fact that McElligot had his gun drawn, but he never saw a need to fire. And during the entire time that you had your weapon out following Laquan McDonald, until the time he started running, you did not fire your weapon, is that correct? No, I didn't. <clears throat> Why didn't you fire your weapon? Um, we were trying to buy time to to have a taser. Um, he didn't make any direct movement at me. And I felt like my partner was protected for the most part inside the vehicle. It was clearly something they were trying to make sure the jury heard because while Van Dyke you know, emptied his clip, McElligot was also on foot 10 to 15 feet away from Laquan McDonald and didn't think it was necessary to shoot. What did the defense ask him? Well, uh, the defense was pushing the idea that things were escalating. Basically, sure, maybe when you first got to the scene with Laquan McDonald, you didn't think it was that dangerous, but then he popped a tire on your squad car. He, he started to run. He got closer to a more populated area. You know, th the threat was escalating. That was something that they were really hitting in their cross-examination of McElligot. Um, and, they, and they also tried to push on the idea that there might have been another reason why McElligot didn't ever fire his weapon. By stabbing the tire, stabbing the windshield, he's clearly raised the threat level, has he not? Yes, he has. And he takes off running, right? Yes. And he's running toward the Burger King parking lot, right? Yes. And there are trucks parked there, correct? Yes. There are people parked, there are people parked their cars there, right? Yes. You can't shoot at him as he's running toward that Burger King parking lot, can you? Objection. You understand that question, officer? Yes, I do. All right. Overruled, you can answer. Yeah, it wouldn't be smart. It wouldn't be smart at all, would it? One other thing that McElligot said was that uh, it looked like Van Dyke was in shock after the shooting, which I, I think kind of fits with what the defense has been presenting. You know, this was a traumatic experience for Van Dyke, and he did something that he did not want to do, you know, in contrast to prosecutors who were saying that this was, this was cold-blooded murder. Did any other witnesses stand out? Yeah, uh, one other witness who really stood out was the last witness of the day, uh, a current officer named Dora Fontaine. She actually arrived on scene right before Van Dyke started shooting the night of October 20th, 2014. Prosecutors played a clip of video over and over of her arriving to the scene, uh, you know, right in the instant when Van Dyke started shooting. And, and it shows her getting out of her car and walking toward McDonald. She doesn't draw her gun. She looks kind of... You know, I'm sure she's not relaxed, but she doesn't look to be on high alert. You know, the prosecutors are playing that because they want to say, you know, while Van Dyke is shooting his gun, this other officer who's only a few feet away 
doesn't feel at risk at all. Uh, it also gave them a chance to play the video of Laquan McDonald's death a few times. You know, they actually played it six times uh, for the jury just on this first day uh, of trial. Patrick, thanks a lot. Thank you. Sixteen Shots is a production of WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune. You can find out more about the case at wbez.org slash 16shots. Check this podcast feed regularly for updates from the trial of Officer Jason Van Dyke. And listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now, more than ever, facts matter. That's why the journalists at the Chicago Tribune are committed to quality journalism, relentlessly pursuing the truth and providing you with the stories that impact your community as well as your daily life. Get fact-based journalism and support the future of investigative reporting like 16 Shots by subscribing to the Chicago Tribune today. Visit chicagotribune.com slash 16 Shots for a special subscription offer just for listeners of this podcast.